You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. the Redeemer of Israel, the Redeemer of the world, the forgiver of sin. He puts on a whole new light here. So to repent simply means to change your mind. You know, for many of us, Jesus was just a curse word. It was just a curse word to us. To others, he was a political revolutionary. He was a good teacher, a wise man. But when you heard the word of God, you saw the power, and you were cut to the heart. You had no other recourse but to repent. No choice but to admit who he is. He is the Christ. When we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the ultimate goal of that is repentance. When we repent, what happens is we simply turn away from what we were doing and turn back to God. In today's message, Pastor Dave will be sharing with us the importance of repentance in the life of a believer and the church. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message, Peter's Sermon, Part 3. Jesus, speaking in John 16, verses 8 to 11, told us why the Holy Spirit would come. He said the Holy Spirit's going to come for this very reason. In chapter 16, verse 8, he says, And when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. Here we see this very thing happening in the lives of these men right now. The Holy Spirit was bombarding their hearts and pricking their hearts and cutting their hearts and telling them, you need to pay attention. Something important is coming and there's something that you're going to have to do. The Holy Spirit took Peter's message and used it to convict the hearts of the listeners. After all, Peter told them they were guilty of crucifying their Messiah. And if they were guilty of crucifying their Messiah, what's God going to do to me? What's God going to do to them? They must be afraid. This stirred up all kinds of stuff within their hearts. The spoken word of God told to them by Peter does all kinds of, of things in your heart. That's why it's so important in our lives that we allow the God by the Holy Spirit to do the work he wants to do in our hearts, that we let him do that work, that we don't prevent any work that he wants to do, that we open up our hearts and say, okay, Lord, whatever it is you need to do, do it. Do it in my heart and let me see. This is why it's so important to listen to the Word of God without distractions, because we don't want to miss a single ounce of the Word of God. We want to glean and get every single thing God has for you today. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's worship. It doesn't matter if it's a spoken word. Whatever it might be, God wants to speak to your heart today. And if He didn't want to speak to your heart today, you'd have stayed home. He wouldn't have brought you here. He wouldn't have had you sitting in front of me today if He didn't want to speak to you, if He didn't want to show you something in His Word. These men were cut to the heart. God got right to the issue, right to the real problem, the heart. These men were in need of a heart adjustment, and Peter used the Word of God to accomplish it. Interesting, in Hebrews 4, verse 13, the author of Hebrews says this about the Word of God, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents 
of the heart. Remember what Jeremiah said about the heart? It's deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? But when the Holy Spirit cuts it, when the Holy Spirit pierces it with the Word of God, it opens. And it's opened up now ready to receive something. We need to discipline our flesh to allow the Word of God to do what it wants to do. We can't harden our hearts to the Word of God. Oh, you can, but I ask that you would not. Don't harden your hearts to what the Lord has to say to you. Listen and receive and accept what the Lord wants to speak to you about. These men heard the Word of God and they were cut to the heart. When this happens, it usually leads to a response. It usually leads to a response. And their response was, what do we do? What do we do? Help us. They realize the state that they're in, and they realize that they now need help. What do we do? Anytime the gospel message is given, a response is required. And there are only two general responses when the gospel is given. Yes, I want it. Or no, I don't. There's no middle of the road. Jesus declares in Matthew 12, 20, and again in Luke eleven twenty three, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. If you are undecided about Jesus Christ, you are decided. And they're decided against him. There's no middle of the road when it comes to the gospel message. These men were cut to the heart, and they wanted to know what to do. What were their choices? They were worried, convicted by the Holy Spirit. Their hearts were on fire, and they didn't know what to do with it. What shall we do? What shall we do? Peter immediately looks at them and says, Become members of the church, join some committees, go door to door, knocking on doors and sharing the message, and pay your tithes. Nah, I don't think that's what Peter said. I don't think that's what Peter said. I don't think at all. You see, when sinners are convinced of their sin, they have to be encouraged. They need to be encouraged. Ezekiel the prophet says in Ezekiel 34, 16, that which is broken must be bound up. Sinners must be told that although their case is sad, it's not desperate. There is hope, just like there was hope for you and me. There is hope, and we have to show them that hope. In verse 38, Peter again answers another question. They said, what must we do? What must we do? And Peter said to him, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, repent. He begins his invitation by saying, repent. Now, repent is not a new word to these devout seekers of God, these devout Jewish men who were in the temple that wet day. They've heard the word repent before. All through the Old Testament, we see the Lord telling the nation of Israel to repent through the prophets and through the men of God. In Ezekiel 4, verse 6, Ezekiel the prophet says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from your abominations. Again, Ezekiel says through the Holy Spirit in Ezekiel 18, verses 30, 31, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, says the Lord. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, so that the iniquity will not ruin you. Cast away from all your transgressions which you've committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Now you're going to sit back to me and go, yeah, I know, Dave. I know about, all about the Old Testament, all about that repent stuff in the Old Testament. Fire and brimstone, bring it on. I've read it all before. That's all the Old Testament does is wrath, wrath, wrath. Okay, in Matthew 3, verse 2, John the Baptist started his ministry by saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah, 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 Dave, but John the Baptist was basically the old, last of the Old Testament. He wasn't really a New Testament prophet, although he was. 
Okay, so turn to Matthew 4, verse 17. In Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus is just coming back from spending 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. He's coming back, and it is recorded that he's now in the area of Capernaum. He's starting his ministry. His ministry starts, and look what it says in Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And finally, in Matthew 9, verse 13, Jesus said, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus himself, first words in ministry was repent. Repent. Now you get some old southern preachers, they can really hep up that word repent, and they can really do a good job on it. I'm sure you've all heard it, and I'm sure you've all been enamored by it. So what does this word mean? What does the word repent mean? What does it mean to us? Why did he say this first? Well, you know, I looked it up in the dictionary. I love looking things up in the dictionary. Old, good old Webster. It says the word repent means to feel sorry. What? Is that all it means? Well, not in this instance. It does not mean that in this instance. When you look up in the original Greek language, you come to a really cool word. It's called menenoeho. Menenoeho. It means to change your mind. That's what repent means. To change your mind. Change my mind about what? Change your mind the way you feel about God. To change your mind the way you think of Jesus Christ. To change your mind about how you see Jesus. There's an action here. No, don't get me started on man's responsibility. We're going to go that way again. We talked about the sovereignty of God and man's responsibility. But there's an action here. To repent simply means change direction. You know, there was a time when you probably thought Jesus was a blasphemer, maybe a heretic, or maybe a dangerous individual. Change your mind about who he is. The gospel is not based on people cleaning up their lives or getting their acts together. The gospel is based on people changing their mind about Jesus Christ. These men were Jews. They had lately seen Christ crucified, and he was crucified in weakness and disgrace. They were told by the rulers that he was a deceiver. Peter had even charged them with having a hand in his wicked death. They were exasperated. They didn't know what to think. But when they heard this plain scriptural sermon, they were affected by it. They needed to change their mind the way they looked at Jesus, the way they thought about Jesus. Once they looked at him as a mere man, a heretic, now they had to look at him as the Messiah, the Savior of souls, the Redeemer of Israel, the Redeemer of the world, the forgiver of sin. He puts on a whole new light here. So to repent simply means to change your mind. You know, for many of us, Jesus was just a curse word. It was just a curse word to us. To others, he was a political revolutionary. He was a good teacher or a wise man. But when you heard the word of God, you saw the power and you were cut to the heart. You had no other recourse but to repent. No choice but to admit who he is. He is the Christ. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who came. He is God's son incarnate as man. He is the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And when you think him in that way, that changes the way you view him, and therefore, that helps you to repent. The f- you have to see the fact that repentance must never be thought of something that we have to do before coming back to God. No. Repentance describes what coming to God is. Repentance is what coming to God is. I can't turn towards God unless I turn away from the things that he does not like. That's what repentance is. He told them to repent. You know, in this sense, repent is a great word of encouragement. It's a great word of hope. 
It says, you don't have to continue doing the same things you've been doing. You can turn to God. Something that we all need, something that we all want. This is exactly what the men were seeking in the temple that day. This is exactly what they wanted. And after hearing Peter speak, these men saw the true God and they had godly sorrow. They were sorry for what they did. They were sorry for what they were a part of. They were ashamed. And they were also afraid of their circumstances. That's what repenting is. You see your sin for what it really is against God. You've got to change your mind about who God is. And when God becomes the Messiah, when God becomes Jesus in your life, you see your wretched sin and you go, oh my gosh, you become like David. Against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. And you change. You no longer do that. You no longer move in that direction. You have a new purpose. You have a new being. The next thing Peter tells them to do is to be baptized in the name of Jesus as an expression of their belief and complete trust in him. In fact, the Greek word for in here means into. You are baptized into a relationship with Jesus Christ, into a relationship with him, trusting him. Let's clarify this now. It's repentance, turning to God, trusting into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ that save a person, not baptism. Baptism is merely an outward expression of what has already happened within our hearts. And there are many, many verses, and if you need proof of that, I can show you some verses later. I can, you can ask yourself some questions. First question to ask yourself, what about all the Old Testament saints? Are they not saved? None of them was baptized. What about the thief on the cross? We can go on and on, but that's not what we're here for today. Baptism is an outward expression of what happened internally. But baptism made a clear statement. In that day, Jews were not commonly baptized. Only Gentiles who wanted to become Jews were baptized. And for these Jewish men and women to be baptized shows just how strongly they felt they needed Jesus. Peter said to the men, do this and you'll receive the Father's promise just as we've received. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. Peter told them how to be saved. They had to repent of their sins and believe on Jesus Christ. They would give proof of their sincerity, of their repentance and faith by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, thus identifying themselves publicly with their Messiah, their Savior. It's only by repenting and believing on Jesus Christ could they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, Peter declares, is both for Jews and for those afar off. This is very, very important. Peter now is standing up and he's prophetically proclaiming that all are going to be saved or could be saved by Jesus Christ. Those that are afar off, he's mainly talking about the Gentiles. And if you've read the book of Acts before, you know that soon God will call the Gentiles into salvation. Hallelujah, praise God for that, because that's us, folks. That's us. That's who we are. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Peter declares that this is going to happen. We need to get right with God, because this is going to happen. In verse 40, the scripture says, and in many words, he testified and exhorted them, be saved from this perverse generation. So Peter's, uh, Peter's sermon went on a little longer, encouraging people. This indicates that all the apostles were there to share the word of God. Remember, it was Peter talking. But on that day of Pentecost, it was all the apostles. All 120 of them came down and all were speaking in tongues and all were, were, were doing these things, saying the glories of God that attracted the men in the first place. So they all came down and started witnessing, talking about God's love, getting people and encouraging people to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, wanting them to be born again, wanting them to know God. They all were doing this. They all were talking about it. That's what it says. They all did it. They urged people to trust in a relationship with Christ. They looked upon the nation Israel as a perverse generation. 
You know, I was studying this, and something interesting in the verses in the book of Proverbs came across my mind, and I thought it was fit very well here. In Proverbs 30, verses 11 to 14, listen to what it says. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among men. That describes a perverse generation. Unfortunately, if you read today's newspaper, it probably describes the generation that we're living in right now. Kind of scary. He says, be saved from this perverse generation. He's calling them out. He's saying, be saved from within this perverse generation. Be saved. Come out of this generation. He's going to say, tell them to be sanctified, to be holy. Nobody goes, oh, I can't be holy. Holy just means that you're set apart. Holy just means that you're set apart for God. He calls you out, he cleans you up, and he sets you apart. It's interesting that the reality of this is that in 40 years from this very time that Peter is talking, Rome's going to come and destroy Jerusalem. They're going to rob the temple of all its rituals, and they're going to scatter the people all throughout the world. You know, history has a way of repeating itself with the nation Israel. I mean, during the 40 years in the wilderness, this new generation saved itself from the older generation who rebelled against God. Now God would give his people another 40 years of grace before destruction would come. On this great day of Pentecost, after Peter stood among the brethren and spoke, 3,000 people, 3,000 people believed and were saved into the kingdom of God. 3,000. This is what happens when the gospel message is spoken clearly and distinctly. It cuts the heart and it transforms lives. And you see this, Peter doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, today, we are still in the age of grace. The age of grace continues. The age of grace began when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church that day at Pentecost, and it continues even this day. Remember what Peter said back in verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As this age of grace continues, the scripture is still true. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the age is fast coming to an end. The age of grace that we know is fast closing. I'm sure you've heard, if you've been around the church long enough, that it's considered that we are in the last days. What does that mean? It means that the rapture of the church is imminent. That Christ is coming for his bride. His bride is the church of Christ. He's coming for it. And he's going to draw us out of this earth. We'll meet him in the air and we'll be out of here. We'll be gone, thus ending the age of grace. To be a part of that, you must be a part of his church. You must be his bride. You must be one of those, like these 3,000 that day, that looked upon Jesus in a different way. You looked upon him with your heart open and said, you know what? You're not just a man. You're God. And I need you in my life. Because the age of grace will end. And only those that have repented, and only those that believed into a relationship with Jesus Christ will be taken. This is a biblical view. This is backed up by Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Peter reminds us of this very thing in his second epistle. In 2 Peter 3, verse 19, look what Peter says about the Lord's promises. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. Remember that Scripture? Whomsoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. St. Peter is saying, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? The invitation is open to all. The invitation is open to everyone who has not made or professed the faith in Jesus Christ. That is the invitation. That is what the Lord is saying. That is what the Lord is saying to his church. That is what the Lord is saying to the world. Come, the days are short. So Peter presented the gospel message. And guess what? Now you heard it. Because I've presented it also. And now you have a choice. Now you're left with a choice. The gospel message demands a response. There are the two ways you can respond. I want it. I don't. You can't even say not now because that's a decision. That is a decision. You have a choice. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Repentance is a simple act of acknowledging your need for Jesus and recognizing you're a sinner. Repentance is changing your mind about Jesus, making him Lord and Savior of your life. Repentance is recognizing that he came to the world to save that which was lost. In Paul's beautiful, beautiful treatise to the church of Rome, he said, Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I am the chief. I feel like I could take his place and said, no, no, Paul, I got a couple on you. I am the chief. Jesus came, saved dinner. You don't have to clean up your act to come to Jesus. Jesus is a fisher of men, and he cleans his own fish. He takes care of his own. But you need to accept. You need to repent. You need to call upon him today. If you strayed from his grasp, come back. Call upon his name today. If you haven't accepted, what better way, what better Christmas present than to accept and come into a lively relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ? What a better time of the year. What the perfect gift. You come. You come as you are, just as you are. We sing a song here. We've sung it many, many times here. Frank plays it so well. Almost had him come up and sing it again, but I'm glad he didn't because of his voice problem. Well, we sing a song here. It's called Come As You Are. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, come as you are. Come and drink from the living water that flowed from his hand, flowed from his side. Come as you are. Come and bathe in the healing water, cleansing from sin, releasing new life. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. He's been waiting for you to call on his name. So come. Come as you are. It is my prayer that you would come. If you have not made a decision for Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? Maybe you're here today and you haven't made that decision. You've heard the message. You've heard the gospel clear. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. Behold, I stand at the door at knock. He who opens the door, I'll come in with him and I will have fellowship with him. Is Jesus knocking at your heart right now? Maybe you've strayed. You know, Dave, I've gone so far away, I can't come back. I've done so many weird things, you know, since I professed Christ as a Savior. I can't come back, Dave. I can't do Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You are never, ever too far away from Jesus Christ that you cannot turn around and come back. Come as you are. Come and taste. Taste Him and His goodness, because He loves you. You are assured. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.